Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need a fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Welcome to the 1871 podcast with Johnny Hunt and me, Mark Roach. And no Dylan Kerr again tonight. And, and Dylan's Morocco Swallows are still battling against relegation in the South African Premier Division. And they've got a huge game on Saturday against their relegation rivals, Chipper United. So good luck to Dylan for that one. And before we introduce tonight's very special guest, just to let you know that our guests on tomorrow's episode are former Royal striker Mike Kearney and his wife Grace. And... Um, a lot of people will know both of them from their time running the Royals Rendezvous. So that's tomorrow, available from 6.30. And now I'm absolutely delighted to introduce tonight's special guest. He's a true Royals legend. It's Kevin Doyle. So hello, Kevin, and welcome to the show. How are you? I'm good, Mark and Johnny, yeah. Looking forward to going over some good memories. Good. Please, God. <laughs> well, so are we. So are we, and it's great to have you on the show. And um, you, you signed for Reading back in June 2005 and, and you went on to make 163 appearances. You scored 56 goals. But I, I just wonder if you could start by taking us back to your time playing in Ireland um, before you came over to the play for, yeah. for Reading. So you started at, at Wexford and then St. Patrick's and then Cork City. Um, and I just wonder back then, what was your sort of football dream, if you like? Uh, my goal was to. I was a. Prof- I left school at seventy. I fin- I did my. It's called the leaving cert in Ireland. It's what you f- you finish um, secondary school at seventeen by doing that exam. And I left school and I went straight to be a professional. So I was a full time player um, from from you know that age. I was full time in Ireland, a professional in Ireland, and I gave myself um, sort of five years. I had a sort of plan. Um, I deferred college and I gave myself five years to see if I could get to England um, and that was basically um, you know I got I got to Reading in four years I think I got there around 21 uh, but you know whether I could or not I didn't know I wasn't sure I thought I had the ability if I could string it all together and and uh, get some confidence and all I always had confidence in my ability um, but it's tough sport so you never know but um, yeah I got a little bit better every year I improved a little bit every year um, 
I sort of started out, I was always a, a set of strikers as a kid, but I started out, started out as a professional sort of right wing, eased into things, learned sort of the game um, at St. Pat's and in Cork City. And then sort of in the year before I moved to Reading, I became sort of, a, I played a few games up front in those years, but the year I went, before I went to Reading, I'd sort of moved permanently uh, as a centre forward and had a great sort of year, 18 months. And um Got into the Ireland under twenty one team and was scoring goals for them, and yeah, got my move to Reading then. Uh, um, and when you said you, you know, were hoping that you could get to to England, were you were you aiming for the the Premiership at that point, or you know, what were you thinking? Uh, no, I wasn't. I was just thinking, listen, take it out, take whatever I get. To be honest with you, and, and then get over first of all. I wasn't aiming like to try start it up. Get over and then see if I can work my way up. Basically. Um, you know, I wouldn't have been the most confident footballer in the world, but I all I always had a sort of an inner uh, self belief that I did have enough ability if if I if I took my luck and my chances and things. Um, but yeah, um, it was a case of first of all get to England and see then to to see if I can see how high I can go in the in the ladder in England. Uh, and when we when did you sort of first become aware that that um, clubs and in particular Reading were were looking at you and interested in you? Um, probably um, three or four months before I left Cork. Um, Eamon Dolan's brother, Pat, was my manager Cork and he left the club and a new manager came in. And, um, and yeah, so then once he left, I suppose he was he helped me or, or, or put a word in for me with Reading um, and they came and watched me. And I was doing well with Ireland at the time. I was in the Ireland 21s and scoring a few goals and scoring plenty of goals in the league. So I started to get on people's radar as a late developer, I suppose. I never went to England for trials or anything like that, which a lot of Irish youngsters would have. Um, so people were starting to take notice and people were coming to watch me. But Reading, you know, sort of had the head start, I suppose. And and um, and in fairness to Reading, I've told this before, but like for, like I didn't cost the art. I cost like, I think it was 79,000 sterling. But they really scouted me. Like, Nicky Hammond came, Brian McDermott came a couple of times, Steve Koppel came. You know, um, I didn't expect, I suppose, like I'd hear, listen, one of the Reading Scouts is here or whatever, and then a week later I'd hear another one, or the director of football is here, and the manager is here. Then I was like, Jesus, like, uh, I was playing okay in all those games. I wasn't setting the world like, but I was just doing enough, and I think I scored probably in all the games they came to see. So they took, you know, it wasn't a big gamble, but they definitely did their, did their homework. I didn't expect the manager to, to come to Ireland, but in fair juice to him, he did. Um, Steve Koppel came and watched me and I scored on the night he was there. Didn't play well again, actually, but managed to score, I think, a good goal. Um, and, yeah, they took a chance on me because they needed, I was going to be their backup striker, I suppose, um, and they needed to make sure I was decent. You know, they weren't signing me to be to start. They were signing me to, to have, give competition to, you know, as it turned out, Dave Kitson and Lee Riley, who designed after me. But uh, yeah, I wasn't signed to be an automatic starter, but just to be good enough to, if needed, sort of thing. Um, and, and you signed uh, in the June of 2005, I think it was. What was that like for you when you kind of achieved that that dream and you eventually, you know, signed for Red and, and um, Ireland as well? You know, you... Yeah. No, I, I was delighted. I was very, you know, you know, it's just, you know... I'd spent a good few years sort of aiming for this and it finally came, you know, my chance to, to play in England. Um, very nervous, obviously. Moving country, I was, you know, sort of a home bird, although I had been living away from home in, in Ireland for a number of years, so I suppose I prepared for it. Um, nervous, excited, confident, but yeah, not sure what to expect, to be honest, where my level was, what what my standard was going to be in comparison to a team who, 
at Reading had just missed out in the playoffs, I think, and had been, you know, very close in the first half of the season to been in the top two in the championship. So like a good squad, a good club, fabulous facilities, you know, coming over to sign and seeing the stadium and stuff like that for the first time, just, you know, um, been just so, I suppose, uh, so proud to be able to sign for a club with facilities like that. And uh, yeah, really looking forward to it. Nervous and all the stuff outside of football, your life, like I had to move and open bank accounts and get a place to live and get a car and all that side of things. Um, I suppose which people forget sometimes that you know footballers have to do as well. You don't have someone doing it for you, especially at that level. At that level of the time when a young player, like that, you have to sort your life out as well. So um, you know, I, I got it all sorted, and I came fit as a fiddle, like middle of a season with Cork. So that helped me, you know, straight away make a little bit of an impact in pre-season at Reading. And talking of pre-season, what what were you hoping for from your first season with Reading, um, sort of on a personal basis? Yeah. From, from the side, from the team? I was, I didn't really know. I'm trying to think back. I, I, I was thinking, listen, if we can start a few games, maybe come off the bench, get a couple of goals, that would have been, I've been delighted with that, to be honest. And I think that's what Reading sort of half expected from me. Um, and that was my aim, to try get comfortable living in England in the first season. I think I signed with a two-year contract and my aim was, my aim was get the contract extended, um, you know, to, to not be coming home after the two years. So, um do whatever it took. Um, but yeah, my, my goals weren't massively high. It was try and make sure I'm in the first team squad, getting on off the bench, try and make a few goals if I could um, in that first season. And and you lost the first game of that season, of course, yeah. Plymouth. What what was the mood like after that? Oh, yeah, I was injured as well. Like I was, I was, uh, we played, I think, Tottenham the week before, maybe a uh, big pre-season game at the, at the Modeski. And um uh, I got a little niggle, so I was in the stand for that game, and the mood, yeah, afterwards was very down. Out. We had the good thing was we had to play Brighton. I think it was Brighton a couple of days later away from home, or maybe a Tuesday night, so we got a chance to get it out of our system quickly. But there was a lot of pressure on Steve. I wouldn't have known as much about the pressure he was under, but there was because we did Reading had had a bad finish to the season the season before, so there was a lot of pressure on him to to start off strong and losing to who turned out to be you know I think Plymouth got relegated or. You know, maybe the bottom in the league at the end of the season. You know, to lose to them at home the first game of the season, there's no way you could have wrote the story of what happened after after seeing us that day. Um, but we went and played Brighton, and we stayed. You know, we prepared. Really. I just remember how professional they were, how well prepared we would have been um, under Steve at the time. You know, like talk about video analysis, we had to you had to roll in a, a TV and actual cassette video cassette to show us clips and things and we did every week we were probably a little ahead of our time <laughs> you know and it wasn't easy to get all that sorted um so yeah no I just remember we went to Brighton played well managed to come out of a win and uh that just yeah kept everyone quiet away win early in the season and we sort of never looked back really after that I think Glenn Little might have scored that night which was which was um maybe I'm wrong did he I'm not sure um I have a feeling Glenn might have scored, but um, if he didn't, he assisted. But yeah, I just remember everyone being very happy going home on the bus after that game. Vague, vaguely memory, vague memory of it. But yeah, the pressure also. I think I came on for a few minutes as well near the end. Um, Should have been my first appearance, maybe. Yeah, and and you're absolutely right. Because after that game, I think it was three wins in a row, 10 goals, three clean sheets. Uh, After those three wins, did, did you and... And your teammates kind of get the sense that something, you know, what was to follow could be possible? Um, um, I don't know if we could ever get that sort of sense, to be honest. Um, 
like everyone was happy and confident. I think we played Preston away. And I remember it was early on the season and, and the lads were going up there saying, Preston, we never win at Preston. We never go there and win. And we went to Preston and won. And that was a big thing, um, which maybe wasn't spoken about in the history of the whole thing. And people talk about games where we won. Um, but we won at Preston away. And that was, um, you know, something they hadn't done, I think, in a while. And, you know, all the players had a negative attitude going into playing Preston away and we won the game. And that was a big sort of thing in their head. I think, geez, we beat Preston away and they're a decent side. And then not long afterwards, we played Crystal Palace at home. Can't remember what stage that was. Maybe it was a good few games there. It was probably September-ish, but they'd just been relegated. They had a big budget and they had, I think they had like Andy Johnson and Clinton Marsden in front, but they were a Premier League team who were coming down to were favourites to go back up. And we played really well against them at the Medeski. We probably should have beat them, I think. It might have been a draw in the end. Um, with plenty of goals in the game, but we played really well and we sort of like, Jesus, we're, we're a match for anyone. And it wasn't, through sitting back and defending for 90 minutes. It was going at teams and having a go and, um, you know, deservedly coming out of these games with, with you know, good results, good performances. And then I think you, you announced your arrival with your, your first goal. What, what was that feeling like to, to get your first goal? Yeah. <laughs> um, I, I've seen that celebration back and I think it shows <laughs> just a, a nice frustration out of my system, I think. Um, I'd had a few half chances. I'd come on as a sub a few times. Um, I'd had a really good preseason. Actually, I'd scored a I scored a hat trick or a couple of hat tricks in a couple of games. I think we're on tour in Sweden and a few local teams in 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 around Berkshire. But um, so I had quite a bit of confidence after that. Um, but yeah, nice. It was Burnley at home. I came on in the first half or maybe at halftime. I'm not sure for Dave Kitson and um, yeah. Uh, sort of a, a story of our season just someone took I think Bobby Conby took a quick corner and um, we did everything quick that few seasons every corner every throw in every goal everything had to be done at pace and quickly he took a quick corner and no one had a chance to pick me up and mark me at a free header actually I'd missed a free header uh, about two minutes before from the other side I glanced a free header wide and uh, so now it's coming back to me now so when I scored that one um, it was a pressure relief, you know, missed one a few minutes earlier than to score and get my first goal in England. Um, yeah, really big thing. Just, you know, more of a case of over a number of years trying to get to English football and then finally sort of get your first goal. Yeah. And Johnny, do you want to come in now? Yeah, no, it's lovely to speak to you, Kevin. I just think when you're coming over from Ireland into a team like Reading, how easy was it to fit into that change room with guys you've probably never met before? Yeah. Um, it was... Uh, in two weeks, it was fine. I suppose the first week, they were probably like, you know, they didn't know who I was. Obviously, never heard of me. And they're thinking, like, we're trying to get to the Premier League here and we're signing. Uh, like, to, the, to them, would have been a pub league player from Ireland. They had no idea. But within a week or two, I think, in training, I think they um, they accepted me pretty quickly. And I was, uh, you know, I was fit and strong and playing and training well and looked apart in the preseason games. So that was soon. I was accepted like anyone else. And we didn't have a big squad at all. Um I think on my first week there, like we'd only 12 first team players training. So it's a very small squad. And even through the whole season, not many players used. Um, not like now when there's so many subs can be used and so many people traveling squads. We were, at, we would have 18, you know, at the most traveling to games. Um, I don't even think we would have that many. You could only have, could you have uh, only five on the bench at the time? Yeah, so we exactly. wouldn't even have that. Yeah, we'd be traveling maybe with one young player as a, as a reserve in case one of the subs got injured before the squad was picked on the day um, but you'd be in the stand so yeah tight knit strong squad but every player contributed but yeah I was nervous for the first week or two and players weren't sure of me but once I settled in 
after a few weeks, it was uh, no problem. And when you're playing in the championship there, were you surprised? I don't know, it's easy is the word, but you know, how, how you sort of got into the game so quickly and scored um, so many goals? Yeah, of it. I was surprised, to be honest, um, because I all I'd heard over the years, like I played the League of Ireland, a lot of League of Ireland players would be ex players who, you know, had difficulties in England, had to come back and play in the League of Ireland, have been over for a few years or been over as youth team players and come back. So all I heard was the sort of maybe the negative side to it and, you know, it's how tough it was and whatever. And I, I just didn't find that, to be honest. Um, for whatever reason, you know, um, it just, uh, again, things work out. I was really, as I repeating myself, I was really fit when I got there and I was ahead of people fitness-wise and I got my confidence really early and it just, and the whole team, like the whole team was on a roll, so it made me as a striker, you know, a joy to play in that team. And it was the sort of last year or two of, you know, two centre forwards on the pitch as well. Um, like those days are long gone. But we we were we were the last couple of seasons then of being able to play two centre forwards, two out and out wingers, um, and wingers who just wanted to cross the ball and set people up. They didn't really have any interest. Like Glenn Little had no interest in scoring goals himself. You know, all he wanted to do was assist. All he cared about was assist in training in a match. So for centre forward, that's a joy. And the same with our fullbacks, like just getting forward, like modern fullbacks now. Um, whereas now, like wingers, wingers want to be the centre forward. Wingers score as many goals as centre forward. They never cross the ball. It's all about cutting inside shooting. So I was lucky, lucky at the time to be in that team, and everyone sort of had their peak a uh, few years while I was there. And when you went up to the Premier, again, how did you find that transition for yourself? And as, as the team as well, I guess. you know. Yeah, um, we all just went with the flow. Yeah, it was, again, I suppose, I don't say easier, it was very difficult, but we were just so full of confidence and let go out and just play and enjoy ourselves. Again, we didn't, you know, we didn't really change our formation, our style of play, no matter who we were playing against, um, which is mad to think about now because not many yeah. teams getting promoted, you know, would have done what we did. Um, and we lost a few, but we won plenty. And, um, well, yeah, didn't get as many goals, but got enough. And, um, yeah, it was sort of, we all just stepped up, stepped, you know, and all of us had to. Again, we didn't make a whole lot of signings. And we all had to step up and we all did. Um, but, yeah, it wasn't. I found uh, in the Premier League, just in general, it's more one game a week rather than the championships, a lot of two games a week, a lot longer to recover from games. Um, you know, mentally and physically, you do so much interviews and so much build up during the week and even on the day of the game and after the game, and you put so much into a match. I found recovery wise, the Premier League, um, I'd be, I wouldn't be right till Wednesday or Thursday after a game on a Saturday compared to the championship. You seem to be able to just go again pretty quickly and easily, to be honest. No, uh, downside. But, sorry. Yeah. Oh, go on. No, so it's on the downside, Kevin. You know that that second season in the, the Premier League, and then the, the season down the Championship. Yeah, there were so many kind of ifs and buts. We could have stayed up, could have gone back up. How was that on, as a downside as a player compared to where you've been? Oh, yeah. Looking back now, like I'd love to have that second season over again. Um, I just think we we were too safe mid-season, if that makes any sense. We were too comfortable. Um, if we had been a bit more on edge January, February, we probably would have made a sign or two more in January. We probably needed to strengthen a little bit. Not even to strengthen the team if we didn't, but just to put more pressure on the likes of me and other players who we probably just were thinking, listen, we'd be grand again. And it wasn't, we went into the relegation zone, I think only a week, 10, yeah. two weeks to go or whatever. And it was like, oh God, without, you know, if we'd have been actually 
down there a bit earlier, we might have turned it around, but we sort of got caught out by surprise, to be honest with you, and not blaming the manager or anyone and blaming ourselves as much as anything. We, we took our eye off the ball, to be honest. Looking back on it now, we were, um, yeah, we, we listen, I'd love to be able to do it again and uh, have another goal, but that's sport, that's life, yeah. And, and the following season, again, we were cruising in the championship. We looked like we, you know, we're going to go up easy. We were beating everyone around us. And again, come January, for whatever reason, or February maybe, and myself included, we had a bad second half of the season. Um, and then, went out with a damn squid basically in the playoffs, got knocked out early in the playoffs. So yeah, um yeah, it was it was it was tough tough there for all of us because that was, you know, we'd had such success to you just want to keep it. And we I feel not the players we took right off the ball, the club probably took right off the ball. They they didn't have to spend a fortune to get to Premier League and they probably, you know, after the first season thought, listen, we can we don't have to spend a fortune to stay here and they probably should have, you know, even to put pressure on us players more so even than anything and thinking instead of us, you know, probably resting on our laurels and not, not being as, you know, even 1% among 11 players makes big, if every player is just 1% off it, uh, makes a big difference, especially at that level. And um, yeah, I think everyone, the owner and everyone, the manager looking back would, would make, make different decisions. Yeah. And, and Kevin, you talked about, you know, going up to the, the premier league um i think it's still called the premiership back then can't remember um but obviously you had that momentum that that came from the the previous season such an incredible season 106 points um why why do you think the team was so successful that season what was it about the the team uh, i don't know there was just a unique situation where a bunch of players came together with a manager and staff i, I can't tell there's no one reason um just a freak occurrence. Like it had to be a freak occurrence because no one's got near our points record since. Um, actually, I just seen something the other day of the the best the best championship team ever and the list of players that were in it and none of us are in it. <laughs> and, and we have the record points and the record goals and everything. Like it's soon you soon get forgotten about, but that's life. Um, someone was saying Fulham are the best championship championship team ever. Um, I don't think so, but I'd be slightly biased. Um, yeah, no, it's a unique situation. Like when you go through the team, the form, this, you know, you could have put every one of those players in that few years, probably had the best few years of their career, really. Um, and it just came together at the right time. The manager was, for from an attacker's point of view, um, anyway, um, fabulous. Um, for me, for a young player, like all he wanted, he was, as uh, the only manager I played under who was a sort of an, a forward thinking player, you know, most of the managers that played under were defenders and all the first thought was how he could be organised and defensive where Steve's, Steve, all he ever said to me was, you know, he used to be always taught me, take people on, excite me. Do you know, it's, you know, he, he hated you turning back and just laying it off, you know, have a go at people, run at people. Defenders hate you running at them, do things quickly. You know, it's, um, and he also, it's something you see Liverpool and different teams do now. It was a, a sort of a five, uh, what was it, a three second rule. Whoever gives the ball away, you have three seconds to win it back. You know, we you know, little things, little triggers. Um, that season, if you look at, um, as I said already, every corner, every throw-in, we had that multi-ball thing. The ball boys were throwing everything on yeah. really quickly. And we weren't ridiculously fit, but we were just full of confidence and doing things quicker. And you come off at the end of the game and other teams, like defenders, be saying to me, how do you do it? How do you keep going? 
Like it was relentless. Like they could match us for half an hour or whatever, but they could match us for 90 minutes. We just kept going, kept going, kept going. And they didn't realize we were as wrecked as they were, but just psychologically, they thought we were superhuman because we were just on such a run uh, of games. Um, and yeah, it suited the players we had, you know, all wanting to attack. Our fullbacks wanted to get forward. Um, our midfielders, like Steve Sidwell and James Harper, now, like, now when you talk about midfielders, always the defensive midfielders, a creator, a playmaker, like Steve Sidwell, like Steve Sidwell scored goals. He was a defensive midfielder. He set up goals. He was box to box. I hate the way midfielders are now pigeonholed. They should be able to do everything if they're any good. Um, and he was fabulous that season or those few seasons. Same with James Harper. The wingers, you know, Glenn Little, if you could have kept them fit um, for longer, you, you, your body didn't help him. They let him down a little bit, but his ability uh, was just unreal. Um, same with Bobby Conby and Stephen Hunt who came on for him. And again, a good mix of strikers. We were lucky with our strikers. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you'll hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Whoever was injured, the other two were always fit. It never seemed to be a case of Steve having to make a decision. Um, So, yeah. All we had lads to come on off the bench then who just seemed to just glide into position when someone was out injured. It never made any difference, you know, whether it was John Oster or Brynjar Gunnarsson or well, I'm trying to think Chris Macon played fullback, you know, players you sometimes forget about, but they all came in and, and did a job um, seamlessly. So um, loads of different little reasons. Um, and our staff, like, again, we were so organised. Kevin Dillon and uh, Wally Downs. Again, we were probably ahead of our time. They broke it down like Kevin Dillon to take the midfielders and the strikers would go off and there do their session. And Wally Downs would take the defenders as a unit and they'd go off and just do defending and watch videos of the defensive unit like every week, you know, a couple of times a week. Um, and, you know, we were as, as attacking as we were. We did a lot of work on being organised as a defence when we didn't have the ball. So, uh, yeah, a lot of work went into it. It wasn't just simple and, and overnight, I suppose, but... Um, yeah, it was a, it was a, some team for the money that was spent on it and the small squad that was that we got we got some performances out of it. Uh, Excited, great to play in, by the way. Fabulous to play in. Every week there was goals. Um, we might concede a few, but every week we looked like scoring, and so it was a, a joy to play in um, those few years. Yeah, and and you you talked about um, your your dream was to come and play in England, and then within a year you're you're playing against. Man United, Chelsea, Arsenal, Liverpool. You know what? What did that feel like? You know, in such a short space of time from coming over from Ireland. Yeah, um, a bit daunting, I suppose, the first few times. But then, like anything in life, any job, it just becomes the norm. Um, like mad to think, like we played Man United there on the season, and we won. A, I can't remember. We won a penalty, and I, I took it and scored. And like just playing against players, like it's a year earlier, a few months earlier, actually, you'd only seen on TV. So. Um, I grew up a Man United fan. So it was just, yeah, madness, madness. Um, like I was, I think I was the top scorer in the Premier League for a few months there at the time. Like it was just crazy. Um, um, yeah, just mad. Um, great, great time to, to be playing. As I said, it was, uh, 
they'll die in names of four four two um and having two strikers on the pitch and and getting to be lazy enough as a center forward defensively uh you'd run around and you'd try to close people down but you didn't have to worry about too much about getting back you know as as the next few years went on center forwards to you know you're everywhere now and you'd end up being as as much in your own box as the other team's box um Whereas I just remember me and Dave or me and Leroy, whatever, the ball would go past the halfway line and that's it. See you later, lads. You do your <laughs> job. We'll wait. We'll wait for it to come back. So, um, yeah, it's football's changed a bit. But, um, yeah, a great, uh, great, great time to, you know, play in that Premier League that season. Did we finish eighth, I think, or we just missed out in Europe. Um, I missed a few months. I tore my hamstring bad, badly at, um, uh, at Everton. In the first half, really tore it badly and sent me back a bit. But got back just before the end of the season. Um, never, uh, it wasn't really right actually till the following season. Took me. I don't know if I ever got back to being as fast after that hamstring tear. It was a bad hamstring tear. I don't think. I think I lost half a yard maybe after that, which affected me a bit. Um, changed my game a little bit maybe, but um, not fabulous season. Again, the next season actually started quite well. And mid as halfway through the season, we were fairly comfortable in the in the Premier League. It was just after Christmas it all went. It all went a bit wrong. Yeah, and and um, one of the the big moments for you, I, I think I'm right in saying your your first goal in the Premier League was against Sheffield United. Was it after 16 seconds, something like that? It wasn't that? my first goal, but it was uh, my first goal was away to Aston Villa. Um, so Keon cut in across it, and I headed it in. Um, I had a picture, but I can't find it. But it was in front of the the whole end at Villa and I did a knee slide into the Hordens anyway and it's just like thousands of fans behind it like sticking their fingers up at me and calling me you just see the spit coming out of their mouth and they're still it's a great picture but I've, I've lost it somewhere along the way but that was my first goal uh, against Villa away I think uh, I don't know what the score was I think we drew the game maybe can't remember um, but yeah, yeah, it wasn't long after that Sheffield and United goal you're on about, yeah, an early one in the game, yeah, 16 seconds. Um, yeah, that's probably still the earliest goal, I'd say. Uh, that was probably the earliest, the quickest goal I'd ever scored in my career. Um, again, but that was our style of play. You know, there was no messing around from tip-off. It was go, have a go, look look up, see what's going on. I think Bobby Convey just looked up and played me over the top and score straight away. That was just... Uh, I think I, early on the, se- the season before against Luton, I scored after actually 10 or 15 seconds as well. Um, but then, yeah, the way we played, that was that was going to happen. Yeah. Johnny, anything else you want to ask? Yeah. <clears throat> okay, well, like, we talked about on the pitch, that team spirit. How off the pitch with that group of players? What did you kind of do to, you know, you must have some, oh, I have some stories uh, maybe, yeah. but... <laughs> Um, well, I was youngster over in Reading, so and I lived in the in town centre in Reading in an apartment. Um, Stephen Hunt and Bobby Convey lived either side of me. Um, so we great fun. Um, we had plenty of nights out, obviously, and, and celebrating the season. But we weren't like um, it wasn't messy or mayhem, or you know, it wasn't some of the stories you read about footballers. We were just we were all fairly. A lot of the players were older and had wives and kids. You know, the yeah. sort of spine of our team, really. Um, so it helped us because it meant there was no like any drink culture or anything like that at the club, which could have ruined us. You know, we were a fit, strong team. We didn't need any of that. Um, but we'd go out for a lot of meals together. We had good crack to younger players, especially a lot of the younger squad lived in and around Reading. And uh, um, yeah, like we were on our own. So we were eating out every night of the week, basically. <laughs> um, 
yeah, just yeah, easy, simple life at the time. I remember, um, not nothing mad, not mad. What can you get up to when you're playing two games a week? There's only so yeah. much you can do. So, um, a lot of sleeping, a lot of eating, and come the end of the season, a lot of a lot of celebrating. And how hard was it to leave Reading? Yeah, it was. It was sad more than hard. It was sad. It was the end. You know, the manager was the manager announced he was leaving. Um, and it was players leaving and a few had already left the previous season after the Premier League relegation. So it was sad, but it felt, I suppose it just felt like the right time. The manager had gone. Yeah. Uh, I, I felt a loyalty sort of to Steve Copper because a few times people had sort of come in to try sign me. Um, and I you know, would speak to Steve about it and they'd be like, well, we want to keep you and that sort of, that'd be the end of it. So, you know, once he was gone and it was sort of, it felt like the right time to go then, to be honest with you. Um, I was, Sadly, it was all I knew in England. So lots of friends, love living in the area. Um, you know, it's just a great club to play for. So, but it just felt like for my career, you know, it was the right yeah. thing to do. And, and you finished, um, you, as you said, you finished eighth in the, the Premier League, obviously had that brilliant season, the season before the 106 season. And and I think, I think you mentioned it um, earlier that, I think you only missed out on the UEFA Cup by one point, um, if I remember rightly. Do you sometimes sort of look back, you know, since since um, you've left Reading and now, do you look back and, and think, you know, I wonder, wonder how we actually achieved all of that? Yeah. Kind of a blur. Yeah, I look back and think, geez, what we could have done differently to do better. <laughs> but then when you think about it, like, we were overachieving really, weren't we, with the, I suppose, the sum of our parts. We were an inexpensively cobbled together group who overachieved, but you still think you could have done better. Um, I look back just happy, to be honest. It's a good memory. I noticed we got relegated and we didn't go back up, but still, you know, still all in all, a fabulous four years I had at Reading. Um, you know, you'd love to change a thing or two, but at the end of the day, it was what it was and we had a fabulous couple of years. So, um, yeah, I look back with a smile. Um, it was... I had a good couple of years when I first joined Wolves, but really the happiest or best, easiest time, you know, all just so natural was that was at Reading. So um puts a smile on my face. Those thinking back to those um you know, those, that first couple of seasons, how could you not giddy about? Yeah. And obviously Republic of Ireland, um, you know, that, that obviously brings a smile to your face. I'm I'm sure what, what you achieved with your country yeah. as well. Yeah, I got into the Ireland um, senior squad, you know, in a few months, you know, I've been at Reading. So still trying to get used to, you know, playing for Reading and everything that was there. Next minute, I'm in the Ireland senior squad. So um, I was in it then for the next 10 years or so. So, yeah, um, another part of my career. When you look back, you're in it, you're in it. It's your job and you're doing it and you're flying back and forth and you're doing you're doing what you're told to do. It's only afterwards, really, you look back and you think about it and you, you can enjoy it and think about uh, some of the games and some of the memories. Same looking back at Reading. I love talking to people about Reading um, because it was uh, sort of a unique time uh, in my career anyway and, and the club's career or the club's history as well. Yeah, and, and you played out in America, didn't you? Colorado Rapids, yeah. I think it was. What, what Colorado was Rapids, yeah, in, uh, in Denver. Yeah, I really enjoyed that as well. Join everywhere. No, what no, great, <laughs> great state, a great city. Um, I uh, two and a half, two and a half years there before I retired. So, um, yeah, really enjoyed that. MLS actually was 
a really well-run league, really well-supported league. Everything's done right. And um, yeah, nice place to play. The only the only downside really is everywhere so far away from each other. There's no real away fans, you know. So the atmosphere is it's not English football. Um, but it's not their fault. Like our, our local derby game was an hour and a half flight. So it's tough to... Um, tough to get uh, a big away crowd creating an atmosphere when that's the case but yeah a uh, nice place to play and live and um, yeah really you know we had a good time family young family with me my wife and two young kids as it was at the time we had a great little uh post end to my career there it was still it wasn't easy actually it's a tough league to play and you have to be very fit and kept me on my toes for my last few years uh, and what do you make of what's happened at, at Reading since since you left because obviously you know since Medeski yeah. sold the club uh, we, we talk about it a lot as you can imagine what, what are, you, are your views on what's <laughs> I can't keep up with it to be honest with you I don't know who owns it now um, it's changed a few times manager I've lost count um, they won't like me saying it but I can't when I hear the select car leasing state or whatever it is I'm just like <laughs> oh come on you could have come up with something better Um I think there is still a stand after Sir John, uh, the John Medeski stand, but um, you know it's, it's, the, it's the Medeski Stadium, and uh, yeah, you know, but uh, yeah, it's sad. But I do, you know, I, I I'm good friends with John O'Shea, and I spoke to him, and I do know some things are very positive regarding the likes of the training ground. You know, it's as good as anywhere now, facilities wise. They've they have, you know, invested that way, so. But it just seems to be so many changes behind the scenes and so many players coming in and players on loan. And it's just, you know, it's, and that's, I'm not paying massive attention to it, but it's just my from afar um, feeling of looking at Reading now. Just, it's like, you know, players just come and go and there's no sort of, maybe I'm being harsh, but it doesn't seem to be any sort of team ethos or anyone there for the long term or manager there for the long term, which is, or a recognisable figure behind the scenes, even sort of in charge, or who 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 speaks about signings, or who who's you know I don't. Maybe I'm wrong. You can tell me different, but that's just my sort of experience looking at it from afar. No, it's about right, isn't it, Johnny? Yeah, everyone says the same thing. Sadly, it was a different okay. world to when you were there, Kevin. That's why it's so great to hear about the positive times. You know. Yeah. No, listen, they can, I'm sure it only takes one or two right appointments and getting the right people in place or, or whatever. Um, things can change, but yeah, just looking at it, you just, uh, what's the word? It just looks a bit rudderless or something, a bit, um, no one has any responsibility to do anything yeah. from from yeah. my brief look at it. It's pretty, it's pretty much a summary of uh, what, <laughs> what we all think. Um, and you've got the... The 150th anniversary game coming up. So yeah. Football against Brian McDermott. Uh, what what do you what do you make of that? And you know what are your thoughts on that game? Yeah. I don't know what I make of it, but I'm looking forward to it. I don't know who's going. <laughs> I'm, I'm going. Uh, I don't know what uh, players are going to be there from the from my era. Um, I hope there'll be a few because I don't know who we're going to draft in to help us out. Um, <laughs> but I look forward to seeing Brian and Steve again. I have, I've seen Brian a few times, seen Steve probably since, so I look forward to having a chat with him and seeing how he is. Um, he do, I saw him been interviewed a few months ago. He doesn't look any older anyway, so he looks fresh. Um, but yeah, that's, I look forward to bringing my kids are coming, my wife and kids, so they've never been to Reading. They weren't born when I was there or anything, so I wasn't married actually when I was there. So I look forward to bringing them to the stadium and, and uh, I can't imagine it'll be too many more times I'll put my football boots on and play um, 
So yeah, I look forward to trying to run around for however long I can last. And, and who's going to win? Uh, listen, you'd have you'd have to go to younger legs, wouldn't you? <laughs> Over experience at this stage, <laughs> the experience might be a bit long in the tooth. Um, we'll talk a great game though. Um, if Glenn Little is there, he'll he'll uh, <laughs> he'll bring some. Uh, some valuable uh, talk and experience to it. But yeah, it'd be interesting to see who's there, to be honest. Who we've got on the pitch. Um, I hope I hope a few can make it because I haven't met, I haven't caught up any of them since I left Reading. Like I left Reading in 2009. Oh. So, you know, I wouldn't have spoken to any of them since. Yeah. And, and and just finally, Kevin, tell us what you're up to these days because I know you're, you're uh, involved in um, horse racing. Yeah. Yeah, from a football side of it, um, I do Irish. I do, you know, I do games for Irish television. Um, we cover Ireland games, obviously, and, and Champions League games. So I do that to keep my eye in on football. Um, it keeps me involved, and, and you know, my son keeps me up to date on what's going on um, in the Premier League. And um, yeah, and then from day to day, I've breed horses, breed uh, national hunt horses. So that keeps me busy day to day. That's what I enjoy doing. So. Um, yeah, keep I, I watch the matches and I'll watch or see the results at the weekend and things like that. But um, yeah, I, I I coach my sons under ten or help coach my sons under ten soccer team. So that's my sort of only coaching involvement. I think that's all it ever will be. To be honest, but yeah, I don't have any great desire to, uh, to coach or manage. And, and do you tell him, do you tell him about your your goals that you used to score and all that sort of thing? Only a few weeks ago, I was, he was watching Ronaldo on YouTube and Messi on YouTube, so all he watches. And I said, just Google. So I got him to put in my name and he's like, oh, the pictures aren't very clear, Dad. <laughs> it's not that bad. It's not that long ago. He's complaining about the quality wasn't HD. So, um, yeah, no, he's, he didn't seem too interested, to be honest. So he moved back to Ronaldo pretty quick. Johnny, did you want to um, jump in with, with something? Yeah. We yeah, I was going to say, do you, do, you, do you miss the football? And also, Kevin, what do you think like now for young players in Ireland getting over to England? How easy is it for players to make it like you did? Yeah, um, do I'll start with, I'll finish with do I miss it? And I'll start with that. It's, I would say it's harder. But the only good thing is the Irish league is more organised. The underage set up in Irish, um, Irish football is better, I think. And the Irish league is more organised and younger players get a chance. So it's a great chance. Sort of like I did to get experience in a first team under pressure instead of coming up through a youth system where you're not under the same pressure and it's not a job. Um, so I've, I'm always first staying in Ireland till till you're a little bit older and then if you're good enough going to England. It's very tough though. You know, Reading were what sixth or seventh season before I joined them in the championship. I don't know if a championship team had come across and signed me now in a similar position. I think it'd be more difficult to. It's it's the competition for places from all over the world to play in England is, you know, it was, a, it was plenty when I was there, but I think it's gone up another level. It's harder again. So it's tough, but if you're good enough, you come through. But I definitely, from my point of view, still young Irish players go across England. I would prefer them to wait and stay and finish school and maybe play a few years in Ireland and see where you are in the football ladder after that. If you're, if you're not good enough to play in, in Ireland, you won't be good enough to play in England. So um, my opinion on it. Um, do I miss it? Um, I don't know. I don't miss it. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> don't lie. Um, oh, this is a brilliant time. And I look back on it, great memories. But I don't miss, I miss being really fit and that side of it. Yes, great. You're training, you're fit. But I don't miss, I don't miss the 11 
11 and a half months when you're international football, you only probably get two or three weeks off of being told what to eat, what to wear, where to be every minute of the day, basically get fined for wearing the wrong top to train or whatever it might be, the silly stuff. And I, I know it goes with it and it's team ethic and it's all, it's all part of it. And it, but I did it for long enough and I don't miss it. No, I don't miss it at all. <laughs> so, um, I'm glad. I'd hate to be waking up every morning pining to, to be back playing because that, you know, I had a great long career and I enjoyed it. And, um, you know, I got it, I got it out of my system and uh, I don't feel like I need, I would need to still be playing. One more game. Yeah. yeah, one more game. Yeah, yeah. One more, we'll one more game to, to fall over the ball or whatever it might be. My my head might still think I'm fit, but I don't know if my legs will be up to it. We'll see. Yeah. All right, Kevin. Well, it's been absolutely fantastic to have you on. Thank you so much for, for being a guest. Really, really appreciate it. No worries. Okay. Thanks, Mark. Thanks for having me on, Les. Thanks, Sonny. No, good, good, luck, good luck in the game. Yeah. yeah, Patrick. yeah. I, I hope you're there cheering, Les. We will, oh, we be. will be. We'll be yeah. there. We'll both be there, yeah. Um, and, the after. Uh, and just just a reminder to the listeners, our guests on tomorrow's episode are Mike and Grace Kearney. But um, all that leaves me to say now again is thank you very much to Kevin. Been fantastic. Thank you, Kevin. Sports Social Podcast Network. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandsLots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.